Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Auto Central, South Africa's number one motoring podcast. My name is George Mini, and as usual, joined by Wandile Sishe. How's it, Wandile? Not too bad. Not too bad in the house again. I should start saying in the studio, because I used to say that when I was... Um, at home. At home. Well, I suppose in the house is a thing. It's still applicable. It's still, yeah, people say it, you know, Elvis has left the building, oh, not house. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in the house then, I'll just sell kids to it. <laughs> That's your thing. It's your thing. All right. Uh, let's get right into it. In today's episode, is the hatchback the best car to buy in today's world? We can answer that. Could mm-hmm. be. Uh, later in the episode, we review and have in studio a hatchback you may have written off. The yeah. Opel Corsa. Yeah. Stunner. I'm actually a big fan. But we'll hmm. see. I remember, you know, purple courses with fancy wheels, uh, which looked like a bubble. <laughs> no, this it looks one like a... doesn't quite look like the bubble. No. And then, uh, obviously, later on, we answer three burning motoring questions from our Ask Order Trader platform. So let's right get let's get right into it. Wendy, uh, where can listeners find the show? So you can find the show every single uh, Monday morning at nine a.m. on cliffcentral.com. But uh, you're limited to audio then. But if you want to see our faces, you can also find us on the Order Trader SA YouTube channel. Um, but if you prefer to just listen at convenience, you can also find us on Spotify, iTunes Music, any sort of streaming platform. Um, with our podcast and don't forget to like subscribe and comment on our youtube feed yes please we want to know your opinions uh we want to know uh, uh you know situation stories scenarios that you've been in that resonate with uh, what we're talking about Definitely. so today's episode is called the hatchback episode uh, why you should not write off the hatchback so or maybe you should or you maybe decide. should yeah. you decide exactly? <laughs> uh, the hatchback is the most is is more popular than ever, mm. especially in in South Africa. Yeah. Uh, not only are they visually appealing, mm. um, but they are very eco friendly as well and fuel efficient. Mm. I think it was kind of uh, when we're looking at the crossover episode. That's something that stood out is that uh, hatchbacks can be very fuel efficient. Mm. I mean, it's the, the drag coefficient is probably less mm-hmm. and not a brick. Um, and recent models show that uh, they have enough space suitable for a family of four. Hatchbacks are also versatile and uh, will suit most people's day-to-day needs. So today's ha- in today's hatchback episode, we unpack the reasons to consider the hatchback or not <laughs> uh, when buying a new or used car and discuss if uh, we should write off this legendary body type. So, Wendy, your opinion? Um, so I think... Why? Why would you want to write off something that kind of works? Um, and I think people who are in the market to buy a hatchback are looking for primarily 2.5 things or two and a half two things. Point, two and a half? Two and a half things. Or two things which are really important and the fifth one, which is definitely a plus, which would be... The fifth one? Well, the half. Oh, the half. Yeah, uh, the 0.5. I'm just um, Which would be price, function, and lastly, uh, fun. A lot of people who buy hatchbacks... Want something that's kind of, you know, nippy, zippy, um, and it's not just a, a chore of driving, but can give you some sort of excitement as well. Some sort of driving pleasure. Yeah. What yeah. about you? What are you, what's your I mean, I've always you? loved, loved the hatchback. Yeah. My, my favorite hatchback will always be the GTI, the yeah. Golf GTI. Not I think the, in South Africa, yeah. Yeah, not the not the Polo GTI. Polo GTI. It's a little bit of a small hatch. I, yeah. I prefer the Golf GTI, and I, and I owned one, so I had okay, the Jumbo yeah. Golf. If you remember them, yeah. Um, I mean, the City Golf was also. A I had a City classic. Golf. It was one South of my Africa. first cars. I think that's the one that really puts in South Africa, especially uh, a lot of people's entry car was the City Golf. It did absolutely everything you ever required. Exactly. Um, before that, we had the Opel Cadet. 
another the super boss um super boss remember the super boss yeah you know another south african classic which is also a hatch which did amazing things in the racing circuits in south africa and around the world um so south africans have always kind of loved hatchbacks they've always been a huge part of our sort of i guess our culture um and i don't think we can just write them off. No, I don't think any, I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. If anything, the sedan will go first. But where yeah. does the first modern hatchback come from? And it's apparently the 1965 Renault 16. Yeah. If you have a look yeah. at this car, um, yeah, I wonder if the 1965 Renault 16 isn't more of a, st- you do know the station wagon? Yeah. I mean, the, it's kind of the first, uh, it's considered the first modern hatch. I think mm. it's very important to kind of highlight that there were hatches before that technically. Ah. Um, the station wagon. The station estate kind of looking more, um, hatches, which were a lot bigger, a lot, a lot chunkier. But what happened in France is that Renault, um, all the French markets required a vehicle in the mid market range, um, which was entry level, which, um, could fit in French roads, which was quick, which was, you know, could carry a family, something that just kind of ticked all the boxes essentially in the hatchback was a solution to that, to the 1965 Renault 16 specifically. Well, I suppose uh, if you do go and uh, have a look at station wagon versus hatchback, uh, mm. you you will see that uh, the station wagon actually dates back to 1922. Yeah. Goes and, it's more, and it's it's, more, and it's boxier. It's uh, yeah. quite a lot boxier and I think bigger than the hatchback. Mm. Hatchback mm. is more, is more compact, uh, mm. right? So, uh, so, um, the, the humble hatchback is at beginnings in 1965, as, uh, as Wandy put it. And, um, it's got, uh, you know, it can lug loads, uh, it can yeah. be stylish at the same time, it can carry passengers and uh, most hatches you can flip the seats down. You could. Um, and I think like the fact that you can get the configuration in either like a three door or a five door, depending on the size of your family, depending on what you want to do with it. You know, if you want more fun, um, less space, mm. then the, 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 the three door would kind of be your solution to that. But if you have a family, then just get the five door. Five door hatch. It, it serves both or well, serves all the purposes as well. Well, in, in recent years, SUVs, crossovers and sedans and predominantly in South Africa now buckies. Buckies yeah. have overtaken hatches, right? They have, yeah. Um, and you can decide how you feel about that. <laughs> Personally, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, but but, uh, but hatches, hatches could still be the Trojan horse, right? They could. Yeah. They could. They really, really could. I think I, for one, actually had written off the hatchback. You know, I thought it was because the crossovers there. Because the crossovers there. Um, I think there's just better options, but at the same time, the hatchback does everything that you kind of require on the South African roads, at least. Um, yeah. unless you know you're towing something or you're a farmer or you need something that's like big. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's still very, very relevant. Well, in our uh, in our latest uh, 2020 uh, Auto Trader Biennial report, well, not the latest one previous to the latest one, the 2020 biennial report, our data revealed that uh, you can get the best value from hatchbacks on average. Um, you can get the newest model mm. at the cheapest price point with the lowest mileage versus other body types. Mm. So that should tell you that if you want a real, if you want really good value for money in a yeah. car, mm. um, hatchbacks uh, are potentially the thing to go for. Yeah. Um, hatchbacks, what they do, what the other body types do is they sacrifice something to get really good at something else. Um, and I think the hatchbacks kind of leveled the field mm. um, with the basis of trying to keep that price down. Um, and I would argue, I don't know for a fact, but I would argue that the hatchbacks appreciation, just because of the value that it, it offers, would be a lot better than um, the other body types. 
So, so tell me, Wendy, ten reasons that people should consider the hatchback. Oh man, I could give you twenty, but the you know the first one is size can be deceiving. Um, a lot of hatches today aren't the small things or the the, the Renault sixteen um, that they used to be. I mean, the car that we have in studio today, you know, when you think about Opel Corsa, for me, I think about the Corsa Light, um, which is a very small car, um, fantastic car, um, but now they're just a lot bigger. Not mm. a lot bigger, but they're considerably Well, this bigger. Corsa is a lot bigger than its predecessor. Definitely. You know, I remember that bubble. The bubble was small. Yeah. You know, especially the boots. The, the, the yeah. boot sacri- was sacrificed. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it's not huge. It's it's just more practical. Um, so that size element is definitely there. The, the next thing is boot access is a lot more practical. There. Tell us about boot access. Why, why is boot, boot access more practical in a hatch versus a sedan, say? Um. So something of... It's a funny story. So I'll use a, 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 an, an example that I had. This one time I had to go get, I think it was like a patio set or something. Um, and I came with my car and I was like, you know, uh, you know, I'll definitely fit it inside there. And it's a coupe, uh, which is very similar to a sedan. And my girlfriend was like, no way, it's never going to fit in there. And I was like, watch, watch me fit it in there. Tetris and I failed. <laughs> yeah, no, but I failed considerably. And then she came with her hatchback. Uh, you know, Arena Sandero, and it fits perfectly, uh, with no problem at all. And I was like, what? How's this even possible? Turns out hatches actually have really, really good boot access. Boot access space. Yeah. And size. Um, okay. back to the sixth, well, the first point, the boot and the sizes is definitely there, which is better than some body types. Well, tell us about the cool factor. I mean, I, I think cool factor is GTI. Definitely. Um, the cadets, super boss again. Um, there's so many hatches. I mean, one of the highest ranked cars on the leaderboard is a AMG A35, right? Yeah, hatchback car. as well. Hatchbacks are cool. They're just cool. Whether you like it or not, they're cool. Well, they've become cool because I think, I think the hot hatch gave them the cool factor. Definitely. It's, you know, definitely. turbocharged, yeah. not 100 in, in, uh, in what? I think six seconds. Yeah. And uh, or uh, under six seconds, but, uh, you know, watch the electric vehicles. It's going to be not 100 <laughs> in more than, more than half of six seconds. Definitely. The fourth point is affordability. So hatchbacks, um, specifically in South Africa are con- considerably, um, a bit cheaper on average to buy. Well, we just said it's the, you know, the best price point for the value you get. Exactly. Yeah. Um, whereas we, you know, we were kind of doing research and we found that in other regions, not the case, such as in America where sedans, because of economies of scale, um, sedans are a little bit cheaper, but mm. for the most part, you well, can sedans get, are cheaper in America because they sell more they sedans, sell more sedans. Than hatches in South Africa. The other way around, we sell exactly. more hatches than sedans. Yeah. So it's, you know, the economies of scale is cheaper to just produce more than less. Yeah. Um, easy parking, easy parking and easy man- maneuverability. I think that's a huge thing. Um, which hatchbacks have over anything else. Uh, like I said, in France, when they created the first modern hatch, uh, French roads are a bit smaller. So they need something that can kind of, French people are smaller. No, the roads were oh, the a bit roads. tighter, yeah. So they, they need I thought that. you said French people are a bit oh, no, smaller. I'm going to get shots. <laughs> um, so, you know, it kind of helps with those sort of um, moving around the city. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, insurance is also a lot cheaper. That's weird, though, you know, that insurance is cheaper because, um, like, I would have thought that things like the Polo, which is a high-risk car, insurance yeah. is more expensive. But you're saying insurance is cheaper. Well, I think it depends who you are. You know, insurance at the end of the day is very dependent on the driver. Mm. Um, the same insurance I have. If we have the same car, I don't think I'm going to get the same insurance premium. As another person. Yeah. True. yeah. Um, so I think it's relative, but just by the fact of the, the price points of the vehicle, it's going to be a lot cheaper than. And it's versatile. You know, 
uh, Bucky. Yeah? Definitely super versatile, super practical. It's not this tiny thing that we used to think like the old hatches were. Yeah. I'm convincing myself, actually. I'm, I'm actually falling in love with the hatchback. <clears throat> well, um, you know, hatches have uh, um, all of the advanced technology. And you, I know you have an opinion about this advanced technology. And maybe, yeah. maybe this is what's killing it. I think that's potentially one of the biggest problems with the hatchback in South Africa. My idea of a hatchback was an entry-level car, um, which I can make cool. Mm. You know, I can get my own sort of equipment to it. I can personalize it. But now these hatchbacks are coming with some of the more advanced technology. Don't, Not advanced, don't but we want those, those advanced features into the... In we definitely do as stock, you know, um, but they're really expensive. They, they bring the price of the vehicle up and I think that could potentially be oh. um, the big factor. factor or problem with hatchbacks. Today. So I suppose in reality, hatch has size and capability. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's always limited to the fact that, uh, it's not the most practical and spacious body type. Yeah. Um, but it has size and capability. Definitely. Um, and, uh, whether you like it or not, sometimes the SUV crossover and even the sedans can do more in their own right for specific things. Yeah. But maybe the hatch is the best all rounder. Definitely. Um, but something that we were saying earlier is that, the hatchback's kind of the jack of all trades, mm. but the master of none of those things, you know. <laughs> so, that. hatchback, you know. the jack of all trades, and the master, master of, of none. none. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Um, so uh, you decide, you know, mm. um, you got a leg up on the on the, on the price. It's good value for money, yeah. and uh, um, in South Africa, price is a big factor when it comes to cars because of our import taxes and, yeah. and yeah. Um, lack of incentives. So chances are. Hatch is going nowhere in this country. Probably not. Probably not anytime soon. Well, that's all we have time for for this uh, part. We have to get to the review of uh, the Forgotten Hatch. And uh, this 2021 Opel Corsa is going to be reviewed by our expert journalist, uh, Martin Pretorius, next. See you in a sec. Let's do it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, we have in studio with us none other than our expert journalist, Martin Pretorius. Welcome, Martin. Hello, George. Thank you very much for having me back. Good. And uh, we're going to review the 2021 Opel Corsa, which is standing in the studio with us. Beautiful car. Nice color. Um, um, I haven't been inside it yet. I'm going to take a look after this and uh, and see. But um, uh, Martin, first of all, you know, this is a 1.2 turbo elegance, right? Yes. Um, so it's interesting that little engine, turbocharged, which probably makes it fuel efficient. Is it fast? Mm, well, it's fast <laughs> enough for its segment. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's not a really a quick car in any way. And I think the automatic gearbox also blunts the performance a little bit. Oh, why do you think? Why, why is that? It's a bit indecisive. As to what, like, do, can I go fast or like, what, what's indecisive? No, the, the cars, do you want to go fast or don't you want to go fast? No, I don't think you want to go fast. So I'm going to stick to fifth gear. And, oh, wait, you want to go fast. So I'm going to drop down from first, from fifth to second or third. And then you get too much power. And then uh, does it have a lot of turbo lag? It has some turbo lag. Yes. Okay. And, uh, so, so does it have a sport mode? Like, no, no. no. Okay. So, so it, it has to guess what you want to do with it yeah. effectively. And maybe that's the, the trouble. It's trying to decide whilst you're driving, whilst you're making decisions, it's not as quick. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, I think the gearbox was programmed by someone with at most a learner's license. 
<laughs> if you're listening to this and you program the gearbox, well, China, you, you've just been told off by Martin. Um, okay, so you think it's a gearbox problem, not an engine or a... No, the engine is fine. Look, I have to be honest, this engine is from the Peugeot Piotech family because okay. the car is built on the Peugeot CMP1 platform. Okay. Um, the Peugeot engine is not as refined as the three-cylinder Opel motor that came before in the previous model. Okay. Is this a three-cylinder? This is a three-cylinder 1.2, yeah. Three-cylinder 1.2. I mean, the three-cylinder 1.2, no, the three-cylinder one liter and 1.1 liters, you got them in the Daihatsu Sherrod, I think, initially. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's where they first made their debut was a three-cylinder. Yeah. And it's almost like an unbalanced engine. It is. And unfortunately, you can feel it with a specific example. Mm. And it's, it's, this is a common thread through all PSA or now Stellantis products that employ this engine. Um, they are, I call it the triple tremble. <laughs> yeah. Be, uh, when you accelerate, when you put, put the engine under load. A little bit of stress. Yeah. Load, yeah. It sets up this small vibration throughout the entire car. And there's no way to get away from that, unfortunately. It's, so then, so yeah, then why, why do V6s then? Why are V6s smooth? Uh, more firing pulses per revolution. Mm. Okay. Well, no, V6 is an even number. I suppose, uh, uh, no, the, the, the only uneven number is the three cylinder, really. Or five. Or the five, yeah. Or, or five, five cylinder. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, do five cylinders have the same vibration issues? Five cylinders do not have the same vibration issues. They have other vibration issues. Yeah. But they don't have <clears throat> the three cylinders. The problem is the, the firing pulses occur more, uh, it takes more than 180 degrees before the next firing pulse comes yes. around. Okay. You sound disappointed. I mean, the Opel Corsa, has been kind of very loved in the South African space. Do you think this one's not going to be as as well? The previous popular? one was four cylinder, right? And it was naturally aspirated. No, the previous one was available with a three cylinder, three cylinder one liter turbo. I, 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 was, I was thinking of the bubble shape, the old yeah. one. Yeah, um, but the old three cylinder, the General Motors three cylinder, employed a balancer shaft. And mm. honestly, if you drove that car, you couldn't feel that was a three cylinder because okay. that balance shaft took out those small vibrations. Yes. And that's absent with this new one. So you're always aware that it's a three cylinder. Okay. So, uh, so, so your, your driving impression, um, you know, besides the vibration, the interior of the car, the, uh, I mean, you, we, we've mentioned the turbo lag, the, uh, the, the fact that the gearbox is programmed by a learner and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and doesn't really know which gear it wants to be in. Um, but more confused about, you know, who the driver is and what he wants to do. Um, but generally the interior of the car is a comfortable, comfortable to drive. Yes. You ignore this vibration. Yes. It's actually, it, it feels like I'm going to say this now. It feels like a real Opel when you're sitting inside. Okay. Mm. So the interior design is classy and conservative and the material quality is generally good and it seems to be well screwed together and so on so in that respect it's almost like a real opal <laughs> almost, like, almost a like a real opal okay. and it's going up against what like we're the main competitors you see that's the problem um there's a bit of a mixed bag with this car so it looks great it handles extremely well mm. uh, it's well made it's well equipped and everything but it's about twenty thousand rands too expensive ah what does it go for Three hundred and seventy-eight thousand. So you would say a three fifty is a better price point. Three fifty is a better price point, and okay. the, the problem is you can get a Polo one liter turbo. Yeah, that's the problem. That's a big problem. Highline DSG for twenty grand less. Ah, that's where your twenty grand comes from. You can get a Ford Fiesta titanium auto for about eight grand less. Okay, With and feature for feature. Feature for feature, I think it's pretty much on par with those two opponents. At different price points. But at 
too high. So what? So point. so you know, what do you think makes the price yeah, point of this car at three seventy? Oh, it's uh, import taxes. Ah, so now <laughs> we're getting to the real deal, it's which is you know, government, please import taxes. You can see it yeah. here. This car is is probably so in decent. a it's it's a decent car in a category that is overpriced. Yeah. And the only reason it's overpriced is because our import taxes are too high. Exactly. Um, you know, 18% plus on a car like this to get it into the country. Now you can imagine, like, if you took 370, uh, less, uh, call it after ad valorem tax, 20 yeah. odd percent. Let's call it 20% for sake of conservative, uh, and so my brain See can do the maths. Yeah. Um, you know, you're looking at, uh, uh, you're looking at a good 60 grand off this car just yeah. from import taxes. In which case that car would make a lot more sense. sense. Are we going to get a, like a Corsa Light version of this or is this just the... Well, this is the high-spec version. Um, mm. There are two trim levels below this, but they use the 1.2-litre engine without a turbo. Ah. Mm. And if it's not very fast here with a turbo, I think the non-turbo version should probably be a bit of a slug. I suppose up here in Johannesburg, that's going to be Especially the case always. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's always trying to race a hatch. It goes back to our point. Well, it's hot hatch. Hot <laughs> yeah. hatch is the thing. You know what I mean? Well, at least this fun. particular car isn't kitted out with a black roof and the fancy 17-inch alloys and things yeah. that actually make it look extra sporty. Yes. Because it kind of looks sporty as it is on its own and when you deck it out with all those other things it looks a lot more aggressive so it writes checks that the performance just (laughs) can't cash (laughs) (laughs) I love it absolutely love it it's uh, you know master what what did you say jack of all trades jack of all trades master uh, none yeah interesting stuff All right. so Martin your score out of 10 for the Opel Corsa 1.2 turbo elegance okay even in spite of all its strong suits I would still pull it back to at most six and a half out of ten. Six and a half out of ten. All right. The last car that gets six and a half was the Mercedes Benz GLA. Not really in its category. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was, uh, yeah. that was reviewed by Sean Nurse. Um, you know, so six and a half, uh, other cars that have got close, which is seven have been the, uh, Subaru Forester, VW Amarok, VW Caravel, GWMP series. Um, so this is kind of on the lower end yeah. of the of the spectrum. Yeah. We did have a the Vitara Brezza which got a nine though. So yeah. I mean, you know. But that's because the Vitara Brezza is priced appropriately for its segment. Okay. Uh, so is your car, is your score because of price? This this car is not special enough to justify the price premium. Okay. And hence the six point five. Yeah, so let's say let's say for argument's sake we uh you know we got somewhere with the government and the and the and the import taxes uh in the country. Uh yeah. and this car came down by, you know, 20, 30, 40 grand. Yeah. Well would your score change? My score would definitely change. I'd take it up to probably an eight. There we go. All right. If well it were reasonably priced. You see that there's another issue. Um in its category its opponents offer a lot better after-sales packages. Oh. So the service plan on this car runs for three years or 45,000 Ks. And that's in an arena where cars have service plans for three years or 80 or 90,000 Ks. Most people are doing those kinds of mileages in uh, 18 months. Mm. So, your, so, your, so your plan runs out because of mileage, not exactly. because of time. So, so Within two years. You know, it's, it's like the car is 99% right there. But they forgot to finish the finish. project. 
writes checks that can't cash. Love it. Okay, well, there we go, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much to our expert journalist, Martin Pretorius, for coming in and uh, reviewing the 2021 Opel Corsa 1.2 Turbo Elegance standing in the studio with us. And uh, we'll be back for our Ask Water Trader segment. Thank you for coming in, Martin. Thank you, Thanks, Martin. See Thanks you later. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. And uh, that was the Opel Corsa uh, 1.2 Turbo Elegance 2021 model uh, reviewed by Martin Pretorius. Uh, um, yeah, I think uh, a, a nice enough car. Uh, yeah, maybe decent. as maybe as Martin puts it, uh, you know, the import taxes are causing the price to be a little bit higher than it should be. But if you want to go and read about uh, this Corsa or yeah. uh, most other cars, as a matter of fact, go onto our uh, platform, autotrader.co.za, go to the news and review section. And uh, you'll read um, all and everything that our expert journalists have to say, their opinions, recommendations, and uh, uh, they get to luckily test drive these cars all the time. So yeah. uh, so their, their, their job comes through in their opinions. But it's time for our Ask Auto Trader um, bit. And everyday people send Auto Trader motoring-related questions about all things car buying and selling. So now Wendy and I will attempt to answer three of these. And uh, um, Wendy, what's the first question? Yeah, it's interesting this week. The first one's coming from Mark. Um, and Mark has asked, can I buy a car in South Africa if I'm Canadian? He also added that he has a house in South Africa, um, doesn't have a tax number or a South African ID, has a Canadian passport but an address in South Africa, and also wants to know if they can also insure it. Well, um, Mark, I think uh, it's a bit murky. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that given the fact that you're not a resident, don't have a South African passport or not a South African passport ID number, ID number um, might make it more difficult it's not impossible but uh, uh, you'd have to jump through a few hoops especially if you want to get finance yeah um, you know the South African banks may not finance the car um, depending on uh, you know you need a credit record in South Africa. You need uh, to have income proof. You need to be able to approve affordability. Yeah. Th- those things become increasingly difficult if you're not a uh, a resident or a or a citizen of South Africa, for that matter. So, uh, so what if they're paying cash. Well, I suppose you could buy the car if you're paying cash. Yeah. Um, I don't think anything uh, anything will stand in your way. You you know to get the car registered in your name, though. Yeah. Um, you might have to jump through a few hoops again, but yeah. uh, it becomes increasingly difficult if you're going to finance the car. So, so good question, Mark. Yeah, um, unfortunately, I you do have a house in South Africa, right? So some of those, um, some well, of those some of those, the hurdle, exactly. Kind of so, off, yeah. you know, he may have had to prove a couple of things um, by having a, by, by virtue of the fact of owning a house in South yeah. Africa. So, so the banks already know Mark, which, yeah. uh, or the, the 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 country already knows Mark. So, yeah. chances are, I'd be able to get the car. Sounds good. Next question comes from Marion. Um, why do these new compact SUVs not have the ability to tow a trailer? Um, have checked Brezza as well as the new Magnite and both don't have towing. Well, Marion, I think unfortunately some cars are just not certified to tow. I actually didn't know that. So um, simple. That yeah. was news to me. Yeah. I mean, you see these funny YouTube videos where people yeah. uh, hook things on the back of a car that's not capable of towing and the back end just kind of breaks right off. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've seen those videos, those funny videos. I have, but I mean, uh, you know, I always kind of assumed that cars can tow to a certain limit. Um, and if you exceed them, that's where the issues kind of 
come in. Well, what if that limit is zero? So, uh, <laughs> so the design specifications for uh, for those two cars, unfortunately, don't allow for towing. And the main reason is because the rear floor structures are being optimized for uh, for weight and space. Mm. So therefore, um, you know, there's nothing really st- – they're not as strong mm. as um, uh, other cars designed for towing. You know, m- most cars from uh, from India – because India doesn't isn't a country that uh, you know towing. I don't think towing is a big thing there, but yeah. I might be wrong. Um, uh, and uh, the Toyota Etios is another example. Yeah, you know? they're just not kind of the market is designed designed for that. Yeah, so yeah. they just don't add it. If you want a car that can tow, go to Japanese or the European makes. Yeah, and uh, you'll probably be able to tow. Next question. Next question. The final question comes from Annie, um, who's asking, "Can I buy a car if I earn uh, five thousand five hundred rand a month?" Um, so, uh, Annie, at your pay grade, uh, you should be uh, able to qualify for car finance with repayments of about 1500 Rand a month. Um, and that kind of would put you in the category of about a hundred thousand Rand car. Mm -hmm. Um, and you would have to put down a deposit more than likely and, uh, generally 10% on cars like, uh, uh, of that value, um, upfront to seal the deal. But it all depends on your credit score. Yeah, definitely. And all depends on the car. So, uh, luckily there's Auto Trader, which has cars at that price point. We have cars really at well. that price point. So that's only one factor. Then you're going to have to factor in your credit score. You're going to mm. factor in your income, uh, proof of pay uh, slips and, mm. uh, proof of affordability. So you've got to prove affordability and, uh, and then it all depends on the car and the, and the dealer you buy from as well. 100%. That's all the questions I have for you this week. Great stuff. Wendile Sishi in the house. Uh, my name was George Meany. It's been real. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, another episode of Auto Central done and dusted. See you next time. Yes.